2: What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me back again, Jack Manuel. How are you doing, Jack? How are you feeling after these last two losses?
1: Look a little low, Nick. A little low, but um, the energy's still high. Um, I think the Nets could probably use some of my energy right now because they've looked a a little bit lethargic in their past few games. Um, They needed a bit of a spark. Maybe we can give them that spark with this pod. Yeah, they definitely
2: need it. Hopefully they can bounce back. But before we talk about the last two games, just remember, you can listen and subscribe to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, YouTube, and otgbasketball.com. And now let's talk Nets. So obviously, you know, the last night's loss, Sunday night to uh, Nuggets wasn't too bad, but Friday's loss to the Knicks, that stings. The Knicks were winless. You know, we obviously always want to beat our uh, borough rival, and we come out and I we play you. terrible terrible and you know the energy like you said where they play lethargic they were lucky to be in the game at halftime and then in the second half they just you know rolled over and let the Knicks kill them but what were your thoughts after watching that game and how do you feel about losing to the Knicks
1: look I don't feel as bad after seeing the Cavs uh lose to them as well Nick so I mean, <laughs> but we've been we've beaten the Cavs now as well so it's like everyone in New York's bloody beating them so it's not as fun um but there are a few takeaways from it um Spencer Dinwiddie still looked pretty good um having 11 assists um despite lacking you know um, his shooting wasn't great and he didn't really hit the the scoreboard as much um but one thing that really and this is what the Knicks did to the Cavs as well um we got destroyed on the glass um 34 to 55 and 19 to 4 on the offensive glass um Enos Kanter and Puzingas were having a field day um and I mean, that's going to happen when you have Rondé giving up six or seven inches to a guy like Porzingis. Um, but that's where someone like a has really got to step up and sort of show that sort of leadership. And I mean, Jared allens he, we've spoken about his youth and he's he's still learning. He can't be asked to, to bear the brunt of that load. So I think that really spoke. And then obviously there was just our, our shooting was we rely a lot on nailing that three-point shot. And surprisingly, the Knicks' defense, um, they really forced us out of creating any real rhythm like there was a point i think we were chatting a little bit that we're at about five minutes since the first quarter we looked okay we started to get a bit of a rhythm but other than that uh that five or six minutes we were just really really flat
2: yeah honestly you hit it on the head with the rebounding i think like you know the nets are going to play undersized all year we saw it a little bit in the denver game they need to team rebound you know the guards need to come back and rebound they need to make sure and do it a team effort and box their guys out put a body on somebody you know make them actually work for the board and like you said the knicks I think Kenny Atkinson mentioned this today in his press conference or, you know, his quotes, Uh, the Knicks are really physical with the Nets. And like you said, they kind of took them off their first look. They made it harder. They didn't make it as easy as it's been the first couple games of the season. And you got to give the Knicks a lot of credit for that. It also looked like they did their homework on their uh, studying the Nets film. Yeah. It seemed like they kind of knew the sets they were going to run and they anticipated a little bit more. And it's a little bit on the Nets. Obviously it's early in the season. So they still have plenty of time to adjust. And like you said, it almost was like they were a little timid because the the Knicks were, like, you know, so physical with them and they weren't pulling up and shooting threes and they weren't getting to the rim. And a team like the Knicks doesn't really have a rim protector. Obviously, KP has improved a lot in that area, but he's not on the court for 48 minutes.
1: No, and you look at the percentages that some of our guys had for that game. Damari Carroll, 20% from the field. Karis Lavert, 25% from the field. Even our boy, Rondé, who um, was good against the Nuggets but was quite poor against... Um, I mean, Puzzling sort of bullied him, as you mentioned. He was 25% from the field. Um, Crab off the bench was really, really poor. Probably one of his maybe poorest games in the past few years. One rebound, one assist in 20 minutes, and only took two shots from the field. Um, we're not paying him $19 million to do that, that's for sure. So it was just an off night for the for the Nets, our boys. But, you know, D'Angelo, I didn't mind how, like, the fact that we can sort of go to him and he can bail us out for a bucket every now and then. But you can't rely on a 21-year-old kid to do that for you. It's with a team that's lacking severe elite talent. We don't have a LeBron James or a Giannis. um, We really need that sort of team offense and defense, which is sort of what Kenny's been preaching. But we just didn't um, didn't follow through.
2: Yeah, the defense, especially against a team like the Knicks. And no offense to them, it's not like the Nets are the greatest team out. But, you know, this is a team, you know, you throw a double at KP. You don't let Cantor get easy buckets inside. They had to start Jarrett Jack. And, like, no offense to Jared Jack, he's done great things for the Nets in the past, but he's not a starting point guard at this point in his career. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been struggling. You know, this is a team you need to shut down, force some turnovers. I think the turnover battle, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure the Knicks killed them in that. And you mentioned it, the rhythm. One reason the Nets couldn't get in the rhythm is the pace was so slow in that game. And for the Nets to really be effective offensively, like you said, they don't have any elite talent, so they need to get out and move and forced those early mismatches on the break. And that's felt like something they didn't do. They didn't get in a good rhythm. The energy wasn't there. And it just felt like it was just so disappointing because they were facing the Knicks and you expected them to kind of get up and they kind of just let us down after getting that big win against the Cavs.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the pace. I think that's the big thing for the Nets. They were top three last year, if not um, close to first. Um, and, and I think it comes back to the what we mentioned um, heavily, how badly they were defeated in the rebound. And when you can't get, active on the glass, you can't get into your sets early enough and you can't force the the defense into mismatches and you can't get out, get those easy points on the transition, which Rondé likes, which D'Angelo likes, Um, and it slows the games down and it makes, um, it allows the Knicks and other teams, but it seems like, you know, a Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies, it allows those sort of teams to slow things down, dictate the tempo, um, which you don't want happening. For fast-paced teams, you want to get early rebounds, you want to get offensive rebounds, get second chance possessions because that lifts the team, that gets the energy going. And for a team like the Nets, you need that high tempo, you need that high energy because it feeds everyone and it gets everyone going and, and that energy breeds, you know, great energy and then, you know, you nail those shots, you nail those threes. So um, I, I think it comes down to the glass and then the tempo um, is a big point that you mentioned Nick
2: yeah it's like the end it all comes back to energy you know playing good defense you need good energy you need good focus same thing with rebounding and same thing about the fast break you know you want to get things going you can still rebound well and get out on the break you just need to put the effort in and the nets have a lot of young guys and nobody's playing a ton of minutes so they kind of need to step up in that area i will cut them a little bit of slack against the knicks because i felt like after playing the game on tuesday night and then playing a little bit over their head on wednesday they probably were a little gas especially early in the season
1: yeah, the the scheduling sometimes can, can play into it a little bit. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, um, and Kenny and I think Damari Carroll especially, they mentioned, like, uh, are you guys going to be flat going into this game after such a big win? And Kenny and Damari was like, no, we're hungry. We want this. So I think that was the most disappointing thing, that you know, they were so flat after being so up after such a high win.
2: Especially knowing the Knicks were going to be hungry, not having a win yet yeah. going into that game. And, you know, just wanting to beat the Nets. And it would have been fine. Like, I wouldn't have been completely upset if they lost the game. It's just the way they performed. And you never want to lose. You know, I obviously know plenty of Knicks fans. None of them really have talked that much shit to me. But during the game, they're like, oh, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. So, obviously, want to get them next time. And we'll look at records at the end of the season.
1: That's it.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Nuggets game last night. And, you know, this look going into the first half, you know, things look like they're about to bounce back. The Nets had a pretty solid lead. You know, by the time halftime comes around, the Nets are only up three. The Nuggets just start rolling on them in the third quarter. The Nets make a small comeback, and then the Nuggets just take care of them, and they win the game. It was just, it was kind of disappointing because they had that 14-point lead, and it just disappeared so quick.
1: Yeah, it was a tale of two halves, Nick. You know, opening up the 36-point first quarter, um, you know, that three-point lead, 63 points to 60, going into the second half. I I think it comes down to, again, the defense now you can't allow a team with such deep offensive talent to shoot 50% from the field and 55% from the perimeter. Like 55% from the That's like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson numbers. Um, and it's not that, you know, the Denver Nuggets don't have their talent out there. You look at um, Jamal Murray, um, Gary Harris and stuff. But Jamal Murray going into the game, we mentioned on the OTG outlet that they were one of my disappointing teams for the season. And Jamal Murray had yet to really bring it. Um, it seems like the net sort of let him get into his set and, and allow him to sort of bring that energy. Um, so that was the disappointing thing. Again, the turnovers, the numbers, um, we had they had 15, we had 15. Um, the nuggets only had six. Um, so to turn the ball over 15 times, uh, it's not horrific, but the Denver Nuggets only turned it over six times, which is you know, ridiculous. like one two turnovers a quarter. so it didn't allow us to get any easy chance points. And some of those turnovers
2: um, you mentioned, they were just turnovers where so the Nets were, you know, not on the same page. They threw the ball out of bounds a few times.
1: Yeah. And it's it's just that those mistakes will happen with a young team that's learning. I mean, uh, you even see with, um, you know, more veteran teams that are like with Cleveland right now, they're still trying to work out their system. Um, so you can forgive that. It's just uh, at times you've just got to be switched on. And especially when, you know, you've got, to, you've got to lead, you want to hold on to it. You've got to maintain four quarters of consistent energy. And that's one thing that I think um, was the case for us a lot last year. We play a couple of good quarters of basketball, but we just didn't really have the depth to sort of ride out four quarters of solid basketball on both ends of the floor. Whereas now, I don't think that's really as much of an excuse. Um, we don't have, you know, Brook Lopez anymore, but we have guys like Damari Carroll, Alan Crabb, Spencer Dinwiddie stepped up, D'Angelo Russell, Karis Levert has another year on him. So I don't think that running out of game is an excuse for us anymore in terms of only having eight or nine guys. We've got the talent there now. We should be able to play four solid quarters of basketball. Um, yeah. The defense really needs to tighten up, though.
2: Exactly. And I think Damari Carroll was out yesterday, and I think they did miss him. Like we mentioned, um, that veteran presence that he brings to the team. And I think they really needed him in that third quarter when things started to go sour. He's done a good job in this – so far in this early season about getting a bucket when he felt like the other team was going on a run. You know, if that's taking a three or trying to force it in transition and get fouled, he's really impressed me. But like you said, defensively, you just can't allow a team – you know, the Nets are allowing the most points in the league right now. Their yeah. Defensive rating is atrocious. Their offensive rating is great they need to find some type of balance where they put some more effort in defensively. And that goes for a lot of guys on the roster. Some of it is chemistry and the the rotations just not being there. And some of it is just effort from guys and them not just working hard enough or just stupid plays and not being focused and missing cutters and things like that. Or there's just certain times where, you know, do your homework. This guy shoots well from three. You can't go under the screen. You have to go over the screen. Obviously it's early on, but it's just small details like that. It's really going to help them improve defensively.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hate to trash him, but D'Angelo probably is guilty of that quite a bit. Um, yes.
2: He's turned the ball you over. You can to, definitely uh, see the, the difference between Dinwiddie and D'Lo on defense.
1: Yeah, it's just a, it's just a maturity level, uh, I think, and despite the fact that they're, they're relatively similar in age. I think Dinwiddie's 24, D'Angelo's only 21. But uh, Spencer has that year under Coach Kenny, so he knows what he wants, he knows the expectations. Whereas D'Angelo's still learning them and he's still getting acclimated to, to the entire system. Yeah. Um, and he, he sometimes can be a bit lazy. Um, I think that's what a lot of people can sort of see. And, you know, when he's active, I think it, it sort of happens with a lot of players. When you when you get those buckets early, you look good on both ends of the floor because you've naturally got that pep. You've got that step about, yeah. Whereas D'Angelo has, hasn't has been, you know, as great offensively the past couple of games. So in turn, it affects his defensive energy. Um, so, yeah, he was sloppy. Um but you know, again, we can't we can't trash a guy who's only 21 years old, and he's certainly improving, and and I'm sure he'll he'll get it all together.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like they said his uh, knee is fine, but he looks a little bit rusty, maybe just a little bit scared to go full all out. He hasn't looked quite as quick, so that's something. Also, like you mentioned, Jokic had a pretty nice game. Kristaps had a pretty nice game the game before. I think the Nets are going to have to start really looking at some double team packages they can throw at some of these players. You know, especially the bigs. You know, Rondé can't do it against a KP or a Jokic or a Moskov's going to get killed. So they need to kind of start looking at some ways to deal with this, some different defenses to throw at them, because if not, it's just going to be easy buckets. Like, there are some points in the Knicks game, I know we're talking about the Nuggets, but KP had – he didn't even have great position. He was just able to really just turn around and shoot over Rondé.
1: Yeah, and, and, I mean, (laughs) KP is obviously – a uh, unicorn. So he's, yeah, he's an exceptional circumstance. He can shoot lit- over literally anyone. It's like Kevin Durant. But yeah, it's it's going to come to a point where uh, where you mentioned it's a very good point. Whether it's double team, whether it's having someone like a Jared Allen out there going one on one with them, just to throw him in there and, and and give him a baptism of fire, because at the same time you can double him because Jared Allen has the uh, unlike Mozgov, he has the speed and the mobility to get out if they do make a switch and they do kick it out. We saw that in the preseason a little bit. So I'd like to see a bit more of Jared Allen. I mean, it is only five, six games into the season. Um, If Mozgov continues to, you know, be lethargic and be a bit flat-footed out there, then let's get our young guy out there. Obviously, you know, we don't need to play him 28 minutes a night. Um, Get him out in those circumstances. Show him how to learn on the fly. Um, But I, I think at the same time, in those lineups, there needs to be a Damari Carroll out there or a Trevor Booker to support him and have that leadership with him out there as well because that's only going to help him as well.
2: Yeah, and before we talk about player grades, something that I felt, excuse me, is interesting so far, obviously not having a Brook Lopez and having a center that can really stretch the floor. I think it sometimes the spacing isn't there and that's why it's been a little bit harder for the Nets sometimes to get to yep. the rim when teams are kind of closing out on the perimeter. Quincy Acey's obviously done a good job shooting the three, but you can't really play him a ton of minutes. That's why Booker, it's like I think the Nets at some point might have to really go small, small, and they're going to have to have some of these guys step up from three because they really need the floor space for this offense to work properly. And unless Booker can really pick it up, Moskov's an interesting guy. He's looked really comfortable from three, but like you mentioned defensively, he's just been such reliability. So the front court, like we thought early in the season, Uh, early in the preseason and you know on the preview pod was going to be an issue and it's been an issue so far
1: it has but it'll come and it'll be interesting because you know there's eight. it's an 82 game season so kenny's got the coach kenny has the right to to experiment a little bit I think he did yeah he's got the tools to do it as well and he he mentioned in the preseason we experimented with those really small lines with ac and booker out there and ronde out there at the four and five so um I mean, you can't do it against the Porzingis and, and like you know, maybe even against towns. There's a lot of good big men out there, but not everyone has them. so i, I wouldn't I'd be surprised if he doesn't do it at some stage.
2: Yeah, for sure. but what let's get to it. You know uh, we're gonna talk player grades. <laughs> Obviously, this is super early in the season. We're probably not even ten percent into the season, but who cares? this, <laughs> this is this is fun. So I'm just gonna go with the list that they had on uh, basketball reference and go through from there. So we'll start with Karis Levert. What's your grade on him so far this season?
1: I'm going to give him a, a B, um, C plus B. I think he's he's shown glimpses, but at times he can be a bit erratic. Um, he almost shows too much energy in, in a way. Um, he's trying to do too much. I know you've mentioned that a few times about him, Nick, and, and I echo those sentiments. Um, he tries to. It, it, he feels like he has to do too much while he's out there. Um, rather than sort of getting into the flow of the game and just sort of playing it play by play. Um, he's got the ability to to be a one-man highlight reel. We saw like, you know, his, his crossover, his handles are, are outstanding, but those at times he can lose the ball and turn over the ball uh, in, in sloppy circumstances. Um, by the end of the season, I'm expecting him to be a, a B plus or an A. So it's still early days, so I'm going to give him a C plus or a B.
2: Yeah, it's been a rough start. And I'll say this, Karis Levert's probably one of my favorite players in the team, so I'm a little bit harsher on him. I think, you know, a C-plus probably. The shooting has been a real issue. Obviously, it's hard to blame a guy, but he just has not been shooting the ball well, and that's really hurt his game. Especially later in these last few games, people have been starting to play off of him and daring him to shoot the three. So he needs to get that fixed up. He's shooting, I think, around like 20% right now. If he can get that picked up, it'll really help him. I think I'd like to see him be more aggressive and just – more determined to get to the rim. Like you said, sometimes he over-dribbles. Yeah. Yo, just hit him with your hesitation move. You've been killing guys with that all season long so far. Yeah. Get to the rim. I know you're not really getting the calls at the free throw line, but if you constantly drive and get to the rim, eventually they're going to have to start giving them to you. So yeah. I'd like to see Levert be more aggressive, especially with his lack of jump shot right now. Also, he needs to keep his head up a little bit more. I think he's a better passer than what he's shown. He's obviously picked up. I think he's averaging like close to three assists but I'd still like to see him playmake a little bit more, especially with the Jeremy Lynn absence. They need him to step up as that other playmaker, especially with D'Angelo. Like we've talked about before, D'Angelo is a lot better when he has a second ball handler on the floor. And obviously they can't really play Dinwiddie and D'Love too much together because they need a backup point guard. So LaVert's got to fill that role. Definitely. But moving on to another guy, Damari Carroll. What's your grade on him?
1: I want to give him a, a solid B plus so far. I've really, I wasn't expecting a lot from him coming into the, into the season. Um, uh, the fact that he was a salary dump and we basically got him for nothing. <laughs> he's been one of our better players so far. Um, and on the contract that he's on, he's almost playing to the potential of that contract. When you look at it, f- 14 $15 million a year um, in terms yeah. of what he brings to, to the intangibles in terms of leadership as well, and NBA experience and, and, and veteran lock, locker room presence. Um, those things uh, are almost as valuable as his on court presence as well so i've, I've really liked murray so far and i'm hoping um he can stay healthy for at least 65 70 games this year
2: yeah i think you're right i think he's a guy that you know obviously being a salary dump and they got a first and second round pick with him he's probably lived up to his contract i know they have some calculator on the internet but i'm just saying 14 points per game six rebounds a game an assist a game a steal a game over 40 percent from three and like you said being that leader the nets really miss him when he's not there he just is somebody that guys can ask questions. He's been in this league for some time, so he's definitely impressed. I'm going to give him an A minus. Nice. So let's go, D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, this is the big name. This is the talk of Brooklyn right now. What are your What's your grade for DLo?
1: I'm going to give. I'm I'm a bit hard on DLo myself. DLo is sort of my boy, like Carrots is your boy. I'm going to give him a B. Um, you know, if you're looking at the games where he's good, he's really good. But if you're looking at the games where he's subpar um it, it's the the gap between that sort of baseline good baseline bad he needs to tighten up a little bit even in his his bad games he needs to to still be active and, and at least sort of you know get some assist numbers get some easy buckets around the rim um as you mentioned so i'll, I'll give him a b but in his games where he's good or oh, he's a a plus worthy good uh, and and you know, he's that knee injury, uh, that, that niggling knee injury isn't an issue. He, he mentioned it, apparently, um, Anthony Puccio on Nets Daily, on his Twitter page, when asked the question, he was perplexed at like, the fact that it was even being asked. I mean, it's going to be asked because, you know, he missed a few games. But, um, you know, he, it obviously wasn't extended. It was just a, a light niggle. And we're obviously very cautious with him, as you would be with the guy who you're building a franchise around. But um, if, if he can keep those assist numbers up, tighten the turnover, sort of take care of the ball a little bit, um, then there's no reason to say that by the end of the year, he will be an A A player.
2: Yeah. Quick shout-out to Nets Daily. That's probably the best Nets website out. Obviously, you and I both read a ton of content from there. They do a great job. Like you said, Anthony does a great job with the quotes as well. So shout-out to them. But I'm agreeing. I think D'Lo is probably a B. Obviously, you have to give him some credit early on because of the clutch shots that he's hit so far this season. And, you know, the impact he's had. And like you said, when he's been good, he's been really good. He's been like showtime. He's been impressive, has that super pop. But the turnovers are there. And when offensively it's not clicking, his defense isn't there. And I think defensively he needs to commit fully because he's shown he might never be a great on-ball defender. That's okay. He has good length to get in the passing lanes, get some steals. And I think that's what he's doing early in the season. We need to see more of that more consistently when things aren't going good offensively. And attack more. You know, get to the rim. And I hate to keep hating on him, but I love him. And I think, you know, he's a big part of the Nets future. But the ball seems to stick a little bit too much to him. He needs to kind of make it move a little bit faster sometimes.
1: And I I think that's one of his skills that Jeremy Lin balanced out nicely. We mentioned when we were talking about how excited we were about the partnership. Jeremy Lin's one of those guys that can get to the room with ease because he's got so much much quickness. Um, Whereas D'Lo sort of feels his way a little bit more. Um, if he's looking to someone to sort of base that that game off a little bit, the comparison has been made with him how he doesn't have the elite speed. Like a James Harden. James Harden gets to the rim at will. Um, I see similarities in that sort of lefty game. Obviously, James Harden is in another stratosphere right now. But if D'Angelo is looking to guys that create create their own shot and get to the rim, then look no further than, you know, the beat himself.
2: Yeah, I can see, you know, the flashes of Harden in D'Lo's game for sure. Like you said, uh, I think D'Angelo probably needs to add a little bit more size if he wants to play like that. And they're both not elite athletes. I would say Harden's probably a little bit better athlete, but I kind of see like almost if I was like telling D'Angelo what I want to see his game kind of be, almost like a James Harden CJ McCollum hybrid. Yeah. You know, he's not quite the athlete. Add some of that craftiness that CJ has. Take some tough shots too. You like to take tough shots. So, but let's talk Ronde. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Jack just wrote a great article for our website, otgbasketball.com. What's your grade on Rondé so far this year?
1: Oh, it's got to be an A. For me, he's been the, the Nets' best player all season. Man. His only poor game for me was really against the Knicks, but, you know, going up against Chris South, Paul Zingas, most people are going to have a tough night. Um, we can mention that jump shot, which has been, you know, butter. Um, going into the Knicks game, listening to the pregame hype, um, Sarah Kusok mentioned... He, she, she had a chat with him, and Sarah's also, awesome, by the way, shout out to her. Um, great job, great job. She had a chat with him. Yeah, she, she chatted to him before the game, asking him, what had he done to change, to get better? Um, and he mentioned just generally mechanically, um, his jump shot is got a lower release point and it's quicker. And you can see it. He's, it's almost like frighteningly quick, but it's working so well. And it's, it's, almost, it's jarring in a way to see it visually. But when you see it in action and you see the, like the, um, the net, just like absolutely splash. It's like, damn, um, whatever's working for you, bro. And you know, he's been absolutely money, um, from the mid range, you know, almost 60%. I think one thing as well, um, that we were mentioning for, um, D'Angelo and Karis, his, um, work around the rim and inside the paint has been, has dropped off a little bit since last year. So I think a lot of our guys are just going to go back and get some easy buckets because when he gets to the line, he's 90% from the free throw line. It's um, been nice which to is, see. Which is elite. That's Steph Curry numbers. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if that's not... I, I remember reading on um, Cleaning the Glass, the stats website, that's in the 100th percentile. So like he's literally one of the best free throw shooters. So when you've got that good mid-range game, so the threat's there, back him up and give him a little spin move um, if he can work on that, um, those little bits of offense, then, man, I'm excited to see how this kid develops because, you know, the the three-point shot will come as well in time. Um, I'm super excited for the hyphen.
2: Yeah, you can just see the work he put in. Like you said, the jump shot might not be the nicest thing, but it's hitting, and he's hitting it consistently in the free throw percentage. Shooting 90% is great. The rest of the Nets need to step in that area because that's an area I think the team overall has not been great at, and they improve there. They could get a lot closer in some of these games. But, um, Rondé's just, it's been nice to see, and especially somebody who just plays with so much energy and effort, and he puts a lot of effort in defensively. He also has shown a little bit not afraid to get in somebody's grill. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not really scared. He doesn't seem as friendly as he used to be. He's more willing to kind of get into it with guys, especially playing in the post now.
1: Yeah, I think you like that about him. I I think that comes with experience. Um, You know, despite the fact he's only 22 years old, as we've mentioned before, and he's third youngest on the roster, he's had four years of experience now. Um, adding in a guy like, uh, we've mentioned his name before and, and it's come out uh, quite a bit in the podcast, but adding a guy like Damari Carroll alongside him, I think gives him that comfort and gives him that confidence to sort of, you know, because I think there's similarities in their game that uh, Rondé can certainly learn from. And I think the presence of, of Damari throughout the year is going to be a huge influence on Rondé because um, the the sky's the limit with, with a guy like Rondé and he's almost the prototypical sort of wing big man that you want in today's game. The fact that the Nets got one and they drafted one, um, they've got to hold on to him.
2: Yeah, he's definitely somebody. And like you said, hopefully that, like you said in your article, hopefully that free throw percentage can turn into a nice three-point percentage. Yeah. Let's talk about somebody who kills it from three usually, and that's Alan Crabb. What's your grade on him so far?
1: Uh, I'd have to give him a a C plus as well. Um, Maybe even a a C. Uh, When his shot is on, he's our best shooter. But right now, a guy like Joe Harris is doing the things that we're paying Alan Crabb to do for like a tenth of the, the pay rate. Um, so I think Alan's still getting used to what how we do things out in Brooklyn, um, how the offense is working. I think he's relying on that three point shot a little bit too much when he can't get it, he looks a bit lost sometimes. I mean, last year, um, with Portland being the third guy out there, um to to Damon CJ, the, the defenses obviously will collapse on those two and he's just left open for, for easy threes. But now the, the defenses have are collapsing on him because they know how good he is. So they're sort of wising up to sort of his players and, and his ways of, of of shooting. So I think if he can sort of develop his game a little bit more um, and even I think a lot of our guys that are our sort of offensive dudes Just got to, like you mentioned with D'Angelo, get active on the defensive end, get some seals, get some deflections, get your hands on the ball in other ways. And then from that, you get that energy, you get that confidence. And then the shot's going to come because Alan Crabb's shown in the past and even um, in college that he can be a decent defender. Um, So it, it all comes down to whether he wants to and whether he puts in that effort.
2: Yeah, I think one thing about him that's impressed me a little bit has been his, you know, length on defense. He hasn't been consistent, but there's been moments where you can see his length has really caused issues for other players. I almost was tempted to go an incomplete grade because I feel like he's just not comfortable yet in the team. He's yeah. still bouncing back from that injury. But I think, you know, a B- or a C plus. I think some of it's on him, but I also think his teammates have missed him a couple times at open shots. I think there was a play yesterday in the Denver game when the team was yeah. making a run, and Alan Crab was wide open in the corner and no one hit him. And I yeah, think you're right. I think he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. A lot of guys are overcommitting to him on screens. You know, when he's coming off ball, getting that three point attempt, they're just going over the back and still almost getting a piece of the ball from over the top. I think that's a time where he just needs to take it to the rim and yep. shoot a couple of teardrops here or there. I know that's not the best part of his game, but it's somewhere you gotta expand and look to get better, and that's what the Nets wanna see out of him.
1: You know, you gotta if we're sort of playing in an offense where it's sort of uh, Dan Tony-esque sort of inside-outside. Look at Eric Gordon, one of the best three-point shooters in the game. His inside game has um, always been underrated. And if he can, you know, get a, a state game against the Warriors where he was, you know, dunking on on guys and and getting inside, using the fact that he's a threat from the perimeter and just get inside. You know, you've got the you mentioned his physical capabilities, Nick. Use those physical capabilities to your advantage.
2: Exactly, and you know, you get you drive to the lane. There's a chance you're going to get a foul call, especially the way the refs are calling games nowadays. Oh yeah. But let's talk about a guy who has impressed and improved and put in work at this summer, and that's Spencer
1: Dinwiddie. Yeah, for me, he's um, alongside Rondo Hollis Jefferson. He's been our highlight player. Um, it, it's almost surprising, in a way, that a, a guy who probably going into the season, may have even um, been under in the rotation under a guy like Isaiah Whitehead, but he's just proven with just hard work and just efficiency. Um, he's probably our most efficient player so far this season. If we were to look at our PER, um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't in our top three quite easily. Um, he's not only making plays for himself, but he's making plays and he's making his teammates better, which is what you want from a guy like Adimity uh, when you've got um d'angelo russell who's you know a a great guy generating his own offense um so spencer dinwiddie uh, has been you know the man this season um spencer i can't say enough good things about him you know defensively he's active his three-point shot has improved and he's making the nets a better squad um, especially with that second unit
2: yeah he does a lot of things that are under the radar and i'm not trying to toot my own horn But when the Nets elected to cut Yogi Farrell and keep Spencer Dinwiddie, they caught so much hate around the league. And obviously Yogi had a nice stretch, but Spencer is a fit for this team and what they're trying to do. And his versatility at the point guard position, we've seen him switch on to small forwards and he's done a fine job. That wingspan is there. Like you said, I think you mentioned it before, is he's almost like a veteran out there. He's like a seven-year vet, it seems like. He's so composed. He obviously had that huge shot against the Cavs. He's putting a lot of work. He's been more aggressive this year, too, which has helped the team. And I believe he's top five in uh, assisted turnover ratio in the league right now. Wow. So Spencer, he's been our most consistent player. And like you said, probably our most efficient, too. And he's running the offense right. He's doing everything you could ask for. And like I said, he's doing the small things. And that's fighting over screens, getting that extra hand on the def- on the offensive player. Or last night in the Denver game, I recorded a clip. Didn't would he get a, did a great job setting a pick to make sure Joe Harris got a open three on the fast break. And it's those small things that make you win games. Definitely. So Dinwiddie definitely has all my love and respect right now. And the fact that he's a Dragon Ball Z fan, we like him even more. Oh, yeah. So, but let's talk about another a vet coming off the bench that's really helped his team, Trevor Booker.
1: Trevor Booker has been... Um, oh, I didn't get my grade. My my mistake, my mistake. A-plus for Spencer Dinwiddie. Ooh, A-plus, nice. I wish I could get an A-plus. Um. <laughs> Nick, if you were to give me grades for my OTG work, mate, what would I be getting? A-pluses? Uh,
2: Jack, you get an A++. plus plus. I got you.
1: Yes, that's what I like to hear. Um, I need approval. Um, I crave it. Um, <laughs> but a guy that doesn't crave approval, um, segue, uh, is Trevor Booker. This is a guy that just is, you know what you get from him night in, night out. Um, I just love watching him play. Um, there's just something about him when, he comes off the bench, he brings that energy, brings that grittiness. Um, you automatically know that, you know, he's going to get you a, a big rebound or a big bucket or he's going to, you know, that pass in the preseason where it was like behind the back. Um, when he comes on, generally something always happens, um, at least in the in the early goings of the season so far. So um, I've loved his game so far. And I, he's been one of the, my better players and I'd probably give him a B-plus. <laughs> Pushing it out as well. And I think the dog in the background is agreeing with my sentence. Yeah, I
2: think Annie's like, you know, Trevor Booker, he brings that juice. That's
1: my guy. <laughs> you know, he, guy?
2: She's like, yeah, I got his back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I but uh, I agree. You know, Booker's been that guy. He brings the energy, that juice, like I said, off the bench. He, like, something always happens. And, like, sometimes when the Nets are just playing terrible at the beginning, I'm just like, Kenny, please bring in Booker right now. Yes. I, just, I just need something to happen. Yep. Sometimes I wish he could get a little bit more minutes. I think they're trying to keep him a little bit low because I feel like he plays better when he's rested. But yeah. sometimes they just need him out there because the Nets front court, he might be, you know, their best player.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd put I'd definitely agree. Um, you know, you look at you look at our rotation right now, if you were to rank it, you'd probably go Booker. Um I'd probably have uh oh, because I'd count Rondae almost as a as a front court guy. And then maybe Alan. I just, i just, I've liked what he's shown. But yeah, on Booker, he just consistently, he's almost like an eight and eight guy, no matter his minutes. Um, he can put up a double double, you know, if he's given more than any night that he's given more than 25 minutes, he's going to give you a double double, uh, a block or two, and a steal or two. He's just, he's always, he's active on both ends of the floor, which is something I think a lot of our young nets could learn from.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'd say about him, he just needs to finish a couple more layups. He's missed a couple real easy ones this year. So I'm going to give him a B+. And and Kenny's mentioned this this is how I feel as well. He's definitely simplified his game. Last year he tried to do a little bit too much. This year he's kind of playing a little bit more into the offense. Yep. All right, uh, moving on to a guy who has definitely impressed, you know, somebody we mentioned in preseason. We weren't sure if he was going to get a ton of minutes, but he's definitely earned those minutes. Obviously, Lynn going down has helped, but that's Joe Harris. What are your thoughts on him and what's your grade for Joe?
1: Yeah, Joe's been great this year. Um, in that game against the Nuggets, for me, he was a highlight. You know, 16 points off the bench. Um, now on that three-point shot, being quite active defensively. You know, the Kyle Korver 2.0, um, you know, maybe a little less handsome than Kyle Corver, <laughs> but he's Still um, bringing the energy off the bench. Sort of like a Trevor Booker, but in a different way when it comes to just, you know, getting you a bucket, getting you a nice three-point shot to get, um, to get everyone going. So, I'd give him a solid B-plus so far this year. I'm going to go
2: with an A for Joe
1: Harris. I think he's
2: really impressed. Obviously, some of these grades are based off of what we expected them prior to the season. I think he's definitely hit above expectations. Three-point shot, like you mentioned, is looking silky smooth. And I think he has the highest offensive rating on the Nets right now. It just seems like when he's on the court, things are going really well. And like you said, he's kind of doing the things that we want Alan Crabb to do. And he's just running the offense great. And he's just done a good job. I think one thing he's done, he hasn't done it as much in the last two games, but I think a lot of the Nets need to focus on this, is cutting more to the rim. Yeah. You know, there's so many cuts and running off picks around the perimeter. You know, take advantage of these guys overplaying you and get to the rim, especially when they're playing so physical. They can't play both ways. You know, it's some, some something has to give. So I think that's something the rest of the team can probably take from Joe Harris. Yeah, for sure. But moving on from Joe, let's talk Timothy Mozgov. Obviously, Moskov, we didn't have high expectations going to the season, but you could argue he hasn't even hit those expectations. What are your thoughts on Moskov so far?
1: Look, I'll give him a pass still because he's still, you know, he's still out there um, doing what he can. He, he'll show glimpses occasionally where it's just like, wow, did he just do that? Um, so for, for those moments and the fact that, you know, he's at least a body out there, um, you know, I mean, that doesn't say much, but I'd give him a C. Um, you know, it's a pass mark, but, Um, I'm not sure, unlike some of our other guys, where the improvement really comes from, from a guy like Tim Faye. Um, He sort of is what he is. You know, that three-point shot looks okay. If he can continue to sort of develop that, then maybe that grade turns into a B by the end of the season. Um, But he certainly needs to make it uh, a little bit more of a weapon for that to be the case.
2: Yeah, I think the C is a fair grade. Like you said, I hate to say it too. It's just like he's a body out there. He's a big body they can throw in some of these bigs sometimes, and he does a good job. But when you get him in the pick and roll, especially when you get D'Angelo and him in the pick and roll, it seems like it's getting abused. So I think that's been an issue. But if he is going to improve, obviously he just needs to get a little bit more quicker. He needs to just put a little bit more effort in and kind of overexert himself a little bit, especially when he's only playing 20 minutes a game. And like you said, that three-point shot, if he could just be money from the corners. like He doesn't even have to be money from the top of the key. If he could just be money from the corners, you know, yep. shoot a respectable percentage, like a 34%, it really helped the spacing for this team.
1: Yeah, and even maybe w- while playing those corners, if he sees a shot being jacked up, just get in there under the basket and try and get out some second-chance possessions because that's something that we've really lacked. And, I mean, for, they're, 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 they're not hard skills to do, um, you know, sort of hanging out on the wing and then getting in there because, you know, we don't want him clogging up the space. Uh, but as you mentioned, hanging out on the wing, Maybe get some second chance possessions. That'll increase his value.
2: Yeah, I think that's an area where he's a big body. He needs to have a presence in the paint. If he's going to be out there and get abused by quicker guys, he needs to dominate them on the other end. If that's offensive rebound and getting some tips, forcing some fouls, you know, it's just the small things. Just some of these guys can step up in a small way and it'll help the team in a big way. Yeah. Talking about another big, Jared Allen. What's your thoughts yep. on him? Rookie has definitely played
1: more than we expected. Yeah, a lot more than we expected. Um, I was going into the season, I was expecting him to see maybe, you know, half the games, uh, maybe 60 games, but it looks like after missing that first game that we're going to see Jared Allen quite a bit this season. Um, you know, he may sit, obviously, due to his um, youth and the fact that Coach Kenny may want to rest him on occasion, or maybe give him some DMPs here and there. Um, but he, from what he has shown so far, the, there's glimpses there that... Um, he could be a a really solid big man when it comes to uh, on the defensive end. And even, you know, with some spark and some versatility on the offensive end, I'm going to give him a B plus just because right now I haven't seen enough. You know, out of all the rookies right now in the NBA, there'd probably be, you know, maybe Ben. In fact, Ben Simmons would probably be the only one with an A and he'd probably get an A plus. But um, we've got ourselves a a, a guy who I think we can, uh, who can be a big part of our future.
2: Yeah, I think a B-plus is a fair grade just for the fact that we didn't expect so much out of this out of him this year. And like you said, I think, honestly, this might be a bit of a hot take, but he's shown flashes of being an elite defensive player. Not just a good def- uh, defensive player, an elite defensive player with his ability to protect the rim and still defend on the perimeter. That's something we talked a little bit about the last pod with Jonathan Ibrahim. Jared Allen definitely has the potential. One area where he'll have to improve defensively is being a little bit more aware. There's been a few times where he's missed weak side help. Also, I think offensively, his lack of size has shown. Sometimes he gets a rebound under the rim in an amazing position, but he just gets muscled out of the way where he can't even get a good look at the rim. And I think that's some points where he has to use athleticism a little bit more and also flail sometimes. Get the foul calls. You know, it's the NBA. Every point counts.
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: So B plus for me too. Quincy Ac. what do you got for Ac?
1: Look, Quincy is just one of those guys that, you know, he's – against the Knicks he was almost the spark plug that got us going you know nailing those um those three pointers I love the fact that he's got the confidence um I'd give him a solid B so far this season um I I think he gives us a bit of versatility lineup wise and you know while he may not play you know 30 minutes a night and um, 82 games a year um Quincy AC is a known commodity in this league and um Anything you can do to mentor some of our young guys and provide that locker room presence, like a Booker, like a Carroll, um, it, it's invaluable to a building team like the Nets are. So solid B uh, for my boy Quincy.
2: Yeah, I think B is a solid grade for him. He's been great from three-point range. Obviously, you know, he could pick it up a little bit uh, defensively. And I think turnover-wise, he averages like a turnover and a half a game, which is kind of high for a guy who doesn't really get a ton of touches and only plays, you know, under 20 minutes a game. Also, I feel like he fouls a lot, but that three-point ability, I think he's shooting around 50%. It gives the Nets such, you know, flexibility offensively. So that's a big help. But moving on to the last guy we'll give a grade for, you know, Tyler Zeller and Isaiah Whitehead, they'll just get an incomplete. Sean Kilpatrick, what are your thoughts on him so far this year?
1: Look, I'd almost give Sean Kilpatrick a little bit of an incomplete um, myself, Nick. It's 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 hard for a guy who last season um, – you know, showed quite a bit, and due to the fact of injuries and due to the fact, you know, the lack of depth that the Nets had, he showed quite a bit offensively. Um, I think he still has a place uh, on the Nets roster, um, but I'd give him probably a C plus, just purely due to the fact that um, the, the sample size that he's given, you know, the most minutes he played were really against the Nuggets in sort of some junk time. Um, I, I think he has a place on this roster still. Um, you know, there's always going to be a room for a guy who can get you a bucket in today's NBA. Um, but, you know, as the season goes on, he may see some more minutes. Um, you know, I don't think, like we said, you know, our guys aren't going to be healthy for, for 82 games, especially a guy like Tamari Carroll, Alan Crabb hasn't been healthy. Um, so I, I think his minutes will increase, but it's whether he can adjust to that role and sort of, you know, become a more efficient player.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to give him a C. I think obviously some of it is he hasn't seen the minutes, but when he's played, he hasn't really impressed. I feel like he's over-dribbled a little bit too much, and that's always been an issue for him. The team can really use another playmaker. So they, ne- they could use Kilpatrick to step up. They could use another guy after Lynn going down, and that means being a little bit more composed on the offensive end, setting up your teammates a little bit more, making a little bit more passes, and focusing on pulling up from mid-range. But moving on from uh, player grades, if you had to give the team a grade so far this season, what would you give them?
1: I'd give them B. Um, maybe even a B plus, just because the expectations going into the season right now. We mentioned um looking at our our fixture that you know the Nets could get up to a really hot start and be somewhere like five and three or six and two. Um right now we're we're around that five hundred range, which is still decent, but you know, we've lost games that we'd expect to win and we've won games that we've expected to lose to lose. Um so yeah, I I'd give us a solid B B plus, but there's plenty of room for improvement, especially in the defensive end. So um, if we, if we even in the absence of, of Jeremy Lin, if we were to still somehow push 33, 35 wins, then that's an A season for me.
2: Yeah, I think you, like, you know, obviously being a Nets fan, you have that bias, like, oh, I only want to give them a B because, like, you know, they're 3-4 and four and they lost these games. But in my head, I feel like you have to give them a, a B plus because if they're able to maintain around the 500 mark all season, even doing better than 30, you know 33 wins and they get a little bit more, I think that'd be super impressive. I think offensively, they've been great. They've had some issues in the last two games. Defensively, they haven't really played defense. So, no. And it's not like they don't have any good defensive players. Like we mentioned, Rondé is a pretty good defensive player. Damari is a good defensive player. Um, Booker, Allen's shown some flashes. Karis LeVert's shown flashes. So, and he's a pretty good defender. So I think if they can pick up the defense, they definitely can boost his grade and continue to kind of surprise people. And I think obviously we, you and I both love Kenny Atkinson. So I think he's going to make some adjustments and make things easier for his team. I think the coaching staff is going to do a good job. Don't be surprised. You know, the Nets could have, they faced the uh, Suns on Tuesday. Then they're going to get a two-day break before their next game. And you could see the Nets make some adjustments in those two days.
1: Yep. Plenty of practice. That's for sure.
2: Yeah. And that's something that like, you we mentioned a little bit with the schedule i think if the nets maybe had a break and you know a two day break in between one of these games they might have came up on top or at least played a close game i think they really could use a practice right now to just get some adjustments
1: definitely so but
2: that wraps up for the grades i'm going to give them like i said a b plus jack said a b pretty much a b plus too you can listen to the rest of our grades but jack's got some hashtags some slogans for you real quick to kind of keep the nets season exciting for you
1: Look, guys, uh, forgive me uh, if you're not a fan fan of puns, if you're not a fan of cheesy hashtags, then then this this segment might not be for you. But uh, I've tried to coin one earlier in the season, uh, all in on Russell Lynn. That one has unfortunately uh, faded with the absence of Jeremy Lynn. But um, Karis Levert, very sadly, um, has gotten the nickname Bambi before just because of just how he plays and the look of him. He's like a bit of a gangly sort of dude. So... I'm going for hashtag Bambi's Brigade. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. Karis, so I'd like to see some t-shirts out there. Um, Tamari Carroll, um, maybe we can get some some Carol singing, some Carol singers around uh, <laughs> Christmas time. We Get some Christmas games out in New York around December. Get some get some t-shirts out there. I mean, if the Nets marketing team are listening to this, um, I'm 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 patenting I'm patenting I'll, these. I'll give you the copyright for it if you give me a free t-shirt, guys. Free season forward. tickets,
2: Jack. Free season tickets, not T-shirts. Free
1: season tickets, and then I'll give them to unit because it's going to be hard for me to get to a <laughs> yeah. uh, But I'll make the track. Um, but then, you know, we can go to – let's let's take a look at uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, you know, big fan. You mentioned earlier in the pod, Nick, big fan of um, Dragon Ball Z. So we can go say Super Saiyan Spencer, you know, the S's. Love me a bit of alliteration out there as well. It works. Um,
2: Fourth quarter, he definitely steps up and hits that Super Saiyan form.
1: I mean, he, he may not have commanded like uh, De'Aaron Fox allegedly did, um, but he certainly uh, went next-level freezer style, that's for sure. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'm running out of ideas here, Nick. I, I, need, I need some more time. I, you know, genius doesn't all happen in a night. Rome wasn't built in a day, but hopefully that's enough for you and the Nets fans out there.
2: I think that's enough for now. We're going to come back to this, Jack, so we'll give you like a month to come up some with some fire.
1: <laughs> I'll, so- uh, I'll do my best, my friend.
2: So get to work on that. But as always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Jack, thank you for hopping on. And like I said before, you can listen to the Brooklyn Buzz podcast, iTunes, YouTube, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. Happy Halloween.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.